1: hello folks and welcome to the a to z sports big orange podcast i'm charlie burris and here with my co-host and a to z sports tennessee writer zach reagan wherever you listen throughout the world we thank you so much for listening to us zach and i talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to hear more of that, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify and subscribe, then rate and review because that helps us too. And our new episodes drop there every single Monday morning. You won't miss a thing if you're subscribed. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter. Zach's at Zach TNT. At A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach Right. Let's just get right to it. Last week, I had... Zach had some some stuff going on. had to miss the show. So I just sat here and ran into myself for a full hour. What a psycho. Um, But I begged. Pleaded. Wept, gnashed teeth for Tennessee to not screw this up. Pleaded, please, please, turn the corner. Use the bye week to get better. Do what you have to do to bring this thing back together, play better football. And did they listen? It's not like they were going to listen to me, but did they get better? No. No. No, they did not, Zach. Last night, well, let I don't want to make too many declarative statements right up front. What are your thoughts about Tennessee's, frankly, completely embarrassing loss to Arkansas last night?
0: I felt the same after the game as I did 10 minutes before the game. I mean, that's kind of the point words it's got to. I wasn't surprised. I kind of... 10 minutes before the game, I just had this feeling of, I know what's about to happen, and then it happened, so it was kind of validated.
1: I would say that I felt similarly. You could feel, uh, and obviously this is the, uh, I guess, the Tennessee fan syndrome of sorts, or what are they called? Uh, Batterfall syndrome, (laughs) BVS. Where, yeah, you said, all right, Tennessee has to do this certain thing to get out of the hole that they're in. So they're definitely not going to do that.
0: Nope.
1: For sure. And I and obviously there have been times in Tennessee sports history where that does not come to fruition. But last night, boy, that was about as much of a nightmare as you could ask for. Take a 13 to zero lead into the half. You like in general, you're playing decent football. Arkansas helped you out. Their offense was was screwing up. Their offense was moving the ball and then would just do things to stall out. And so Tennessee's defense probably looked a little bit better than they actually played in that first half. But hey, you know, you held them to zero points in a half. That's great. 13 to zero at the half. You wish it would have been more, obviously. And then Arkansas rips off 24 straight points. And you score zero in the second half while trying two other QBs because Jared Garantano uh, got racked and I believe has a concussion. Um, but that's the only reason that the other two quarterbacks played is because Jared actually got injured. Um, Mauer looks terrible. Harrison Bailey looks passable, but extremely timid. He checked down on all of his throws. I believe he checked down what four times, and then finally threw downfield once. And the throw downfield was very nice. Uh, he th- threaded the needle on a, I believe, a third down. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and
0: he was taking what Arkansas was giving him, though. At the same time, yeah. Arkansas is kind of in like a prevent defense mode at that point, not wanting to give up anything big. So,
1: taking down
0: it, is something we haven't even seen from a Tennessee quarterback.
1: <laughs> that's true. But you would hope in that situation that you could get some throws, maybe to the sideline, maybe
0: downfield. He did run no. and get out of bounds a couple of times. It was kind he of did heads up I, plays,
1: and. You know, that's a wrinkle that Jarrett can't bring you. So, hey, that's something. But just on the whole, what a meltdown. What an embarrassment. And and I don't, I genuinely, I do not put this on the players. Yeah, they got to go out there and execute. But I, I said this on Twitter last night. If you showed me that game in a vacuum, and you just said, here's Tennessee football, and I didn't know anything about it. I knew about football, but I didn't know anything about Tennessee. I would go. This is a really poorly coached team. They're not putting effort out there on the field that they need to be putting out there. Uh, the coaching, absolute coaching malpractice um, of not kicking a field goal um, in, uh, I guess, that that drive. They started the drive with about five minutes left, ran the ball six times. And, okay, we can talk about that later. That's a whole separate thing, and we'll we're going to give out grades here in just a second and we can go down that road. But if you showed me that game in a vacuum, I would go, these coaches have no idea what they're doing. They don't like these guys are lost. And that's where Tennessee is at right now. It's not good.
0: No, I mean, you saw it when I think it was in the first half, uh, Tennessee's got the ball near the goal line and they did score here, but they kind of run, they decide they're going to run a wildcat play there's some miscommunication. They end up having to call a timeout. And then Jeremy Pruitt is screaming at Chris Winky on the sideline. And it just looks, it's not what well-coached teams do. It, it just looked out of sorts. You're right. If that game's in a vacuum and you don't know anything about either coach of either team, you're not thinking that Arkansas is the one with the first year head coach at all.
1: Exactly. Yeah. First, first year ever as a head coach. I mean, I, he's, he's been, been in college football for forever and a day, but.
0: Never even been a coordinator, I don't think. Just always a yeah, position no. coach, yeah.
1: Yeah, always been a position coach at, and O-line most recently. I mean, come on. Come on! It's so frustrating. Let's uh, let's hop into uh, the grades here, because I think this is a good way to sort of frame this discussion without me just ranting at the top of my lungs about how pissed off I am. We'll get there. <laughs> so, so, so let's just start. Uh, and we're going to throw other weeks. We haven't thrown in the coaches. I'm going to throw in the coaches as a great here, here at the end too. That'll be the final discussion of everything. And I'll include the podcast question that I asked last night that a ton of you responded to um, quarterbacks Jared in that first half. I mean, would you call his performance passable? What was it? I believe five of eight for 42 yards. Not bad. Uh, I don't, but it was a lot of handing the ball
0: off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't even think it's passable because your offense can't do what you want it to do. And he's a red yeah. shirt senior quarterback. You shouldn't be, you know, kind of shrinking your playbook with a fifth year quarterback. So yeah, I, I give him a, a D I mean, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't turning the ball over. He wasn't reckless, but he's not out there. I mean, this is football in 2020. It's not Sludge it out on defense and you're going to win six to three, like those old LSU Alabama games. And you have to put points up look at Alabama this year, LSU last year. And I mean, Tennessee can't do that with Garantano at all.
1: So here's a thought with the whole, at least he didn't turn the ball over thought. Um, when you saw the other, t- well, first of all, with the way that Jared plays it's extremely timid and he very purposefully does things to not turn the ball over and I think this is from coaching every it seems like with Pruitt the way that he hawks on in press conferences too, everything is about not turning the ball or not shooting yourself in the foot fine that's good and this is completely a theory on my part I'm making an assumption here but I think that Drilling that so much, that concept of don't turn the ball, don't turn the ball, don't do the ball is hurting the quarterbacks even more than they already, you know, where they're not developing. It's hurting them even more because they're going out there and they're just afraid to do anything because they say, well, if I throw an interception, I'm going to get, get replaced. And when the young guys come in, Jared says that, and then when the young guys come in, of course, they don't want to really. Take any chances because the second they do anything that's out of line at all, they're getting pulled. I mean, we know that, and you 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 can just see it. I think I would have to go back and watch every single play in its entirety to really be able to see the whole field to confirm this. But Harrison Bailey on that final drive, obviously he's extremely inexperienced, but you got to think in his head he goes, "Yeah, that guy is a little open downfield, and I could try that throw." But if I throw an interception, I'm not playing again for the rest of the season. You know? Yeah. I mean, do you think that I'm I'm off in thinking that?
0: I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it's a good point. I mean, you kind of take the playmaker mentality away from your quarterback mm-hmm. when you coach him like that. And, I mean, you don't need a game manager. Like I was just saying, you you have to put points on the board, and a game manager is not winning games in the SEC. Not, no. not this season, not probably in the foreseeable future. If your guys are timid, they're scared to make throws. They're not playing to their full ability at that point. And I mean, that definitely could be a major issue. And that might be part of the deal with the way Pruitt is telling Winky to coach them too.
1: Yeah. That's what I wonder is uh, obviously at at this point, Chris Winky, no matter what is happening behind the scenes, if it's a directive from Pruitt, that's tying Winky's hands. I, I don't know, but, Uh, whatever it is, he's the fall guy at this point. I think he has to be, I don't know if he has to kind of be the crass to say the sacrificial lamb (laughs) this week. He has to be the guy that gets fired. I mean, it's just, it's so bad. It's so, so, so bad. And you saw him last night getting yelled at. And what is he doing? What is Chris Swinky even doing? Whether it's legitimate or not. Uh, and is going on behind the scenes, there's no quarterback development. It had even slightly. And not only is there no quarterback development in my theory and where I see they're being held back in their own minds because they're so scared of turning the ball over at this point that they're just playing, you know, it's scared football done win. And I, that's just sort of the way that I'm, I'm seeing it at this moment. But I think Winky's got to go. You got to look in that second half. Um, and see, I, well, let's talk. I was going to talk on the offensive line, but let's get there. Like I said, <laughs> I don't want to get too absent-minded and go all over the place. So let's frame it within these grades that we're doing. Um, so and, any other thoughts on the quarterbacks? I mean, I, I think I'm in a, I'm in agreement around a D.
0: Yeah. I, I I liked what I saw from Bailey. Like I said, kind of there yes. in our intro, I think he is a little timid, but he's young. He hasn't played hardly any, but. Checking the ball down, taking what the defense gives you is just, I mean, I know the bar is low at this point, but we just haven't seen it from Tennessee quarterbacks. He just looked like he knew what he was doing. Like he knows how to play the quarterback position the way it's supposed to be played. I think you see the potential there, why Why everybody's excited
1: to see yeah, him play. So
0: I was encouraged to, by that.
1: To me, <clears throat> even with the little bit that we saw and in the weird position that we saw, he's, he's the guy for the rest of the season. Don't look back. Just play him. Don't look back. Because he's at worst he's as good as Garantano's been. Like <laughs> what when the when the bar is as low. I, I just I don't I don't see how you could refute that strongly, at least. You probably could refute it, but strongly and really convince me. I, I don't think you can. Um that's the quarterbacks. Running backs, Eric Gray. Strong once again. His 123 yards on 31 carries, four yards uh, per carry on average. And that includes a second half where Arkansas just absolutely stacked the box. Didn't even basically acted like Tennessee was never going to throw the ball. And uh, newsflash, they didn't. (laughs) So um, it it is just, it is what it is every single week. We have this exact conversation. Everybody else kind of stunk.
0: Eric Gray looked good. Yeah, he ran well. I mean, he's explosive. He's exciting. Um, even, you know, kind of – There were times where he reminded me of when Jalen Hurd was at Tennessee where he's having to fight through a lot of tackles because he's kind of getting there on his own. Um, I saw a lot of that where maybe with some better blocking, he's, you know, breaking off maybe 20, 30-yard gains. I don't know. Yeah. But then – you know Ty Chandler I, I guess he's been dealing with an injury he had the one carry fell. that was the last we saw of him
1: that that was odd I I would think that it is an an issue like that cuz Ty Chandler he has not shown anything that would make him kind of no. set on the bench I I don't think I think he's been
0: and they used Jabari Small after that
1: yeah I I think something's going on there um with Ty yeah one one carry for zero yards last night but uh just on the whole, yeah, I guess I would go, you know, what, B, B, B minus. Just right, you know, it was good. It was fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't It wasn't like Eric Gray ran, went out there and ran for 200 yards against a, a not great Arkansas team. I mean, he kind of did what he should do against Arkansas. So yeah. nothing above expectations.
1: Second leading rusher, Jared. He had, a, I will say, of Jared's time in the game, of course, his running is what got him injured but five carries for 31 yards. He had a couple of nice scrambles. He, (laughs) he kept the ball on a read option, uh, which that's the first time that's ever happened. Uh, that was a new one, but didn't last
0: too long. Uh, Yeah. The, the dive five yards short of the first down on third and nine was (laughs) ill advised at best. (laughs) That was something. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) that was something. Um, but there yeah, there there's that. The running that's the same say, thing every week.
0: I would um, like to see Valus Jones or Harry Velus Velus, however his name Valus, is pronounced yeah. Velus. I would like to see him involved more because he I mean he only yeah. ran for three yards, but on that that one carry he had, he looked explosive. You can see his speed. If they could figure out a way to get him the ball kind of the way they used to with Cordero Patterson, I feel like he could be a really nice weapon in, in Jim Cheney's offense
1: yeah, they're using, using him in a CP ish way because they would do those sweeps with Cordero Patterson and he could turn it into a giant play. Um, I, I like what I've seen from, from Bayless. Yeah. They got to get that ball in his hands more and all, of course, everything sort of filters back to the quarterback and uh, you know, that's the whole thing there. You got to have a guy that can get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and you just don't have that right now. Um, but I, I, yeah, I've liked what I've seen from him. I, and that sort of leads us into the receiving sort of the same thing with the quarterbacks every week. We're like, well, if you can get them the ball, they look good. Josh Palmer, two catches, 28 yards, Eric Gray, three for 27, Brandon Johnson, uh, one for 24. Um, I, On, on the whole, a pretty decent effort. I would go like C plus just, you know, eh, that's, they're not the problem. No, I'll put it that way. That's kind of simple. Um. So then I, quickly I think we can just go to the offensive line and and really wrap up the discussion on, on the offense because I don't want to say that I'm going to give the offensive line grace in this one. In that second half, Arkansas just forgot that Tennessee could even throw the ball because Tennessee can't throw the ball. And they just stacked the box. And... Went right at Tennessee, and Tennessee just all of a sudden, after having tons of great chunk plays in that first half, they couldn't run the ball. And then, of course, Garantano goes out. Brian Maurer comes in, does absolutely nothing. And so Arkansas, that defensive strategy worked perfectly. Totally stunted Tennessee. They couldn't do anything. And so I look at the offensive line with some pity almost. And I say you should have played better. Darnell Wright looked awful. Uh, yes. Got two really bad penalties. Um, so they definitely, definitely have to be better. I'm not going to give them a, a pass. But I, on the whole, I just go, oh god. If you, ha- I'm like, as much as a quarterback is helped by a great offensive line, a great offensive line is helped by a good quarterback. It's it's a symbiotic relationship. And right now. Sometimes Tennessee's offensive line can be really good, and the quarterback's not giving anything back.
0: Yeah, when you're predictable on offense, it's it's tough for the offensive line. Like you said, Arkansas stacking the box. What are they supposed to do? And when I first looked at let, looked at all the stats from last night, they only gave up two sacks. I was like, well, that's that's improvement. But you know, Tennessee only threw the ball 21 times last night too, so it's not like they were, you know, giving up two sacks on 50 pass attempts and the run blocking was pretty good in the first half i thought it could have been better because i still thought that eric gray did a lot on his own i mean the the touchdown run that was that was probably the nicest play by the offensive line all night i mean they opened yeah. a huge hole he could have walked into the end zone but then other times it just wasn't there
1: i would go c c minus probably yeah yeah i mean it right it was
0: better than it has been
1: yeah it was it was average like what if you looked at a just meh offensive line, that's where you were. And and of course we say that that's disappointing from sort of the stature of the guys that you had.
0: Sure. I mean, they say it's not a good team. They were playing either. So it's, yeah, you know, it's not like they're playing Georgia.
1: It's they, they still have a long way to go, despite the fact that on the whole, they didn't play terribly. And I do kind of, kind of pity them to some degree. Uh, that there there's that as far as the offense goes, any thoughts on the offense before we move on? It's just
0: anemic. It's boring. Um, You watch Tennessee's offense and there's never any excitement. You never feel like a big play could happen at any moment. I mean, Jalen Hyatt and Eric Gray is pretty much the most exciting thing about the offense. And we don't even get to see them to their full potential. It's just, I don't know. It's just boring to watch. And that shouldn't be Tennessee offense with Jim Cheney.
1: So frustrating. So, so, so frustrating. Uh, Well, with the defensive line, Jeremy Pruitt took over the defensive line uh, after axing the D-line coach sort of out of the blue a couple weeks ago. And they didn't look better. I'll just say it flat out. They uh, now in the mm, let's do say the second half. In the specifically the fourth quarter, after it was kind of too late, and they just hemorrhaged all of those points. After you hemorrhaged twenty four straight points, suddenly Tennessee's defensive line was all up in Felipe Franks's business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I how many sacks did they end up? Uh, six, four, five, four, 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 and it was all sort that one stretch. They were just in his grill constantly. But where was that for the other three quarters?
0: Well, that's where coaching comes into play, and you mentioned Pruitt coaching the defensive line. The effort's not there for sixty minutes, yeah, at all, totally. And, and that's all. I mean, that's coaching. There's nothing. There's nothing else you can put that on. One
1: hundred percent. Um, and so I, I would go when you throw in that that fourth quarter surge and three quarters of kind of anemia. I guess, like, yeah, it's sort of like the offensive line. C seem minus. They weren't the big problem um let's uh sorry yeah they're not the rushing yards
0: they're not the Tennessee lost but they didn't help them win either
1: yes exactly it was just kind of a a net neutral at the end of the day where you want them to be a a deciding factor in the game kind of where they're pressuring the quarterback forcing him into terrible throws and that helps your defensive backs so then on to linebackers Uh what what grade would you give those guys?
0: I I saw some nice plays from Henry Toto, which is, you know, kind of what we expect. I mean, he the tackling, I thought, in the first half looked a little better. But Tennessee still getting killed on those slants over the middle. I mean, nothing's improved there. So, I don't know. You didn't really... Nothing really stood out. I'm probably C-minus. I mean, there's nothing... Toto could raise it up a little bit, but I don't know. I, I can't give it any better than in c
1: in, in coverage, like the, the nightmare down for this defense is like third and four. You know, all, all the other team has to do is just throw a little five-yard slant. And you just go, for sure, they're going to convert. It's the, like this is the easiest thing for that offense to do because Tennessee's defense just does not have the ability to stop that play. It's not in there. Whatever it is, uh, bl- blame whoever you want—the the linebackers, the D backs, whatever—they don't have the ability to stop that play. Uh, and it's so so frustrating to watch. I uh, because because I mean, like you're saying, Henry Toto and and some other guys will will like make a tackle, and you go, "Whoa, that was a great play." These guys like they look like really nice athletes and then they just do things. So you just go, how, how are you not be? how are you not able to round this out? Like
0: I know that everyone, there's gotta be more. I know that everyone loves Brian Niedermeyer, who is the inside linebackers coach for Tennessee. He's a great character. He's a great recruiter, great personality, but the guy was never a uh, on field position coach before he was at Tennessee. Pruitt puts him as a tight ends coach, which is kind of like that position where you want to coach, you want to give him a shot. You, you, do, you, he coaches tight ends. It's like Joe Osevet right now. That's just, yeah. it's like considered the least important, uh, a position coach on your staff. And then you got some staff change. Kevin Scherer leaves, so you give Brian Niedermeyer, You put him on a defense on the defensive side of the ball. He's never, you know, he's been a graduate assistant, I believe, and help with defense. That's it. He doesn't have any experience being a position coach anywhere. And to think that he's going to come in at Tennessee and coach inside linebackers, one of the most important positions on the field, and make them better. I mean, that's kind of a, we didn't really think about it much during the offseason, but that's not very realistic. And I wonder if Jeremy Pruitt, his background as a linebackers coach, may be a little arrogant there kind of thinking, well, I know how to coach defense. I know what I'm doing. I'll I'll make sure they're playing. And you can't do that as a head coach. I mean, because you're kind of the CEO of the team. You're overlooking everything. You shouldn't be coaching a position. You shouldn't have to. And the more I see the subpar play from the linebackers, especially in coverage, the more I wonder about Niedermeyer coaching them.
1: It seems like under Pruitt that he has hired a whole set of guys that a lot of them are phenomenal recruiters. And that's about it. Like, the, the only guys on this staff that were proven at the position that they coach at previously, it's Chaney. And, I mean, Chris Winkie was a quarterback's coach, but a failed one in some sense with the Rams.
0: Uh, T Martin, Uh, maybe. T Martin is a good track record. Yeah, I was just,
1: I'm doing this off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, T, okay. T was an offensive coordinator before. Um, And, yeah, I mean, just largely you kind of have a set of guys, and this is probably from Pruitt's inexperience. um, But he has really emphasized the recruiting piece. And maybe he's got a set of guys that aren't able to develop players as well as they need to,
0: especially on the defensive side of the ball with, with Niedermeyer and then Felton there coaching outside linebackers, really not much experience there either, either. I mean, Tracy rocker had a ton of experience, was not a good recruiter, but he knew how to coach defensive linemen and they played better under rocker. And you hire Brumbaugh and he's gone after four games. So clearly that didn't work out. (laughs) It it is concerning.
1: It is, and I, a lot of it does go back to what you got in Pruitt as as the CEO of sorts. Um, I guess we can finish with the the defensive backs round out the the defense. To me, it just kind of goes along with that C minus, D plus, just not good enough. um,
0: Yeah, they didn't really level. They didn't really challenge. Tennessee's defensive backs a lot. Yeah, down not the field. really. Um, and Tennessee had some players out. I think Alante Taylor was out. Uh, Schamberger, I don't think, played. So they had several guys missing there. But even then, Arkansas didn't really have to challenge him. I mean, it's not like Arkansas just shredded Tennessee. They didn't really need to.
1: Yeah, no no interceptions. But Felipe Franks was 18-24 for 215 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, almost all of it came in that one little stretch at the beginning of the second half. Um, but it, the defense as a whole, I, you can almost just lump them all together. It is that, yeah, C minus, D plus. Just how it, how is not it what you not expect.
0: Better in year three from a Jeremy Pruitt coach team who exactly. has built his reputation on these stifling defenses. You know, Florida State, Georgia, Alabama. I mean that that was coached all these great players like jalen ramsey you'd think in year three at tennessee against arkansas tennessee's winning winning this game 35 to 3 or something 35 to 7 i mean they're, yeah. they're shutting it down especially against a, a team with a new head coach that just come off two terrible years with chad morris arkansas was the bottom of the sec the very bottom of the sec you you talk about Jeremy Pruitt taking over a bad situation. Sam Pittman didn't take over a good situation at Arkansas by any means. It's just as no. bad as Tennessee was.
1: There's no, it, to me, there's no excuses anymore like that. You're three years in. Yeah, you haven't had the time to have a full recruiting class back yet, but just, oh, come on.
0: And not only, back to Pittman real quick, Chad Morris recruited, a lot of players that um, kind of those Butch Jones type offensive linemen, the smaller, quicker offensive linemen. I mean, it was all about speed for him. Kind of that Clemson style of offense is what he wanted to do at Arkansas. And that's not what Sam Pittman is. Sam Pittman is big offensive lineman, run the ball, that type of coach. So it was taking a team that had one mindset and completely flipping everything overnight pretty much. I mean, And he's – Done pretty well so far, unlike Pruitt. It is. and Anybody that says it's
1: not doable to flip a football team overnight, it's harder than something like basketball. I mean, basketball, you can get like two guys in there and just be a completely different squad. Football's a little bit tougher. Usually takes a little more time. But to say that you can't take big strides, strides kind of overnight, so to speak, that's wrong. You can. You absolutely can. I mean, I look at this Tennessee team. And I say, if you had a, a quarterback who was extremely talented and didn't have kind of the, the problems between the ears that it seems like all three of the dudes for Tennessee do right now, I think we're talking about Pruitt in a completely different way. Cause I don't think he's lost as many games, like just a, a good quarterback from year two ish would have done that, uh, Pruitt could have just leaned on the way that Butch did with Dobbs could have made this a very different situation. Um, but here we are. And let's, okay, so basically the rest of this show is going to be about the coaches. I have a, a podcast question that I put out on Twitter last night, a poll. Um, and we'll finish with that, but let's just grade the coach's performance last night. And I think it frankly goes without saying it's an F. It's a total failure. It's really just malpractice as far as SEC football goes, malpractice of the highest level. I already mentioned it earlier. If you put that game in a vacuum and I hadn't seen either of those dudes coach, Pruitt and his staff don't know what they're doing. In that game, I've seen I've seen moments from them where they look decent. Obviously, you've won some games that you shouldn't have won. Uh, that's all nice and good. Pruitt's done some things where I said, "Oh, that's smart football." You're you're kind of um you know some of the stuff like what was it? Running down the clock against Alabama at halftime last year. Like, he's done some things where I go, "That's savvy football." And then last night, I mean, it was just, they're on another planet. They're gone into outer space. What are we even looking at? It's a total failure.
0: I'll tell you the two things. I was, I'm, I'm out on Pruitt. Like I'm straight up. I'm not going to dance around it. I said it on Twitter last night. I, I'm I'm at the point and I've kind of held off on it. I, a lot of people were probably there after Kentucky. But there was two things last night that got me there officially. One was the management of the quarterbacks because it was so evident that Pruitt just has no clue what he's doing with the quarterback situation. You know, Garantano starting, we've been through that a ton of times. It is what it is. He gets hurt. You throw Brian Mauer in there to hand the ball off five straight times or something. Then you yank him out. And not that I think Brian Maurer has shown anything that suggests that he has the potential to be a great quarterback in the SEC. But if you're going to pull him out that fast, if you don't have that much faith in him, why is Bailey not in the game sooner? He's just kind of throwing things out there, seeing what works. And we've seen it shroud in there. I mean, he's with these quarterbacks all week. He should know what he has, and I just don't feel like he does. Then the other thing is the field goal and his explanation of the field goal. I mean, you – four minutes, four and a half minutes left in the game. You're down by 11. It would have been, I think, a 43-yard field goal. Instead, he goes for it. They don't get it. Then Tennessee holds Arkansas, forces the punt. You put Bailey in. He goes down the field. Gets to the 10-yard line pretty quickly. Drive-ins in an interception. But at that – I really don't even consider that on Bailey because there's, what, five seconds left in the game. He has to throw the ball to the end zone. It's the only thing he can do. But it wouldn't have mattered because the game was going to be over anyway because they didn't kick the field goal to make it a one-possession game. And his explanation after the game saying that I I didn't think we were close enough and Simagli had kicked a 50-yard field goal and a 48-yard field goal earlier in the game. Now full disclosure, he did say Somaglia had battled injury, almost didn't make the trip. But you trusted him to make those two field goals and you don't trust him forty three yards with it, game on the line type deal. I don't understand it, and the explanation was Butch Jones like, and that's exactly how I felt after the game. I was like, I'm I'm done with it.
1: The drive even leading up to that field goal. <clears throat> I mean I get the they don't trust the quarterbacks. That's let's be clear. That's their own fault. Yes. They don't trust court. The quarter- they did that to themselves. They don't trust the quarterback. You had, I believe that drive started. I would have to check to make sure somewhere in the over five minutes to go. Um, I don't know. I wonder if I could find it. Which drive is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the field goal drive that ended, uh, the, or the field goal that wasn't,
0: um, and, uh, that started at the Arkansas forty-eight, so it started in pretty good. With se- oh, that started with seven minutes and seven seconds left. It was four thirty-two left when it ended. So, uh, and it lasted yeah two thirty-five. So, it, yeah, it's probably right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. I mean, you're coming down to crunch time, nonetheless, and it's not like you have time to just lollygag with the way that that offense plays. You can't throw the ball downfield. You don't. You don't have the time to just run and we'll, we'll, you know you only have three timeouts there's only so much so many ways you could stop the clock and so they ran the ball six straight times and they they just kept bleeding clock yeah they were playing hurry up but it just bled clock and bled clock and bled clock and you just go come on this is, this is urgent. At least throw, like, try one throw. Well, the only one throw was field. the
0: interception.
1: And exactly. They waited till the fourth down. You you eschew the field goal on a guy. Okay, maybe Samaglia's hurt. I, I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. I'll assume that he is. Whatever. But you wait till the fourth down to let Bailey throw his first pass of the game. And that uh, that interception wasn't even his fault. He has he realizes he has to get the ball downfield. Nobody so I
0: think the ball is batted around.
1: Yeah, I mean he he just passes it and and it gets batted around and then eventually intercepted. Uh, it wasn't really his fault. And that
0: yeah, seven that plays, twenty three yards in two and a half minutes. That is that is malpractice.
1: That entire drive was mind boggling in a way that I'm not sure I even looked at, like, Butch Jones for most of his career. Yes, I, no, I I will say, Butch Jones is a person. He's not a good person. I don't want his toxicity anywhere near a football program. That's a whole separate thing. But as a on-the-field football coach, I'm not sure I ever saw stuff from Butch Jones where, yeah, sure, kicking a field goal at the goal line. But he, he, there was things like that. But a whole drive, like a whole set of time in a game where I just went, what is this? What are you doing? And I I I don't I don't know. They and as I said, a lot of the catalyst of this is that they don't trust the quarterback, and that is their own fault. And they They
0: did that because that the next drive when they get the ball back, they get the ball in their own eighteen. Bailey I mean, at that point you can't run the ball because there's a minute fifty nine left whenever you get the ball. You have to throw the ball. Ten plays, seventy two yards. They go right down the field. I mean, why are we not trusting Bailey or any quarterback to do this before there's two minutes left in the game? And essentially, you know you're not going to win unless you throw the unless you throw an 80-yard touchdown, which is not going to happen, and get an onside kick or something crazy. Like at this point, the game's pretty much over. You're just waiting for the clock to run out, and you wait till then. I mean, it. Yeah, it's,
1: it's so frustrating. And
0: I I don't think with Butch Jones, I don't. Think this is any like revisionist history where we're going to look and say, well, Butch wasn't that bad. He was that bad. He should have have been fired before he was fired. But even Butch Jones in year three was able to acquire enough talent where even though he was such a bad coach, he still managed to win nine games and beat Georgia and almost beat Alabama. Like he, he was still, I don't know, with Pruitt, can't even get to 500 at this point in year three he's worse i mean there's yeah i don't see how you could you might like the way he talks you might like his press conferences better but on the field the product is worse than what we saw under butch jones at this point
1: i'll put it this way under under butch jones tennessee was a competent coach away from winning the sec East. yes that was it butch sucked and so that roster got wasted here none of it's there the coaching's not there. now. Pruitt is not toxic, I believe. Pruitt is not toxic in the same way I the agree. Bunch was. And and that, I will say, that alone is good. Um, He just, yeah, if as we're of just right now, he just about stinks.
0: On, yeah, if we're just talking yes. about the on-field product and the results, it is worse. After exactly. After midway through third season, Pruitt has a losing record at Tennessee.
1: The roster is not as good, and the coaching is as bad, if not worse. I would go there. But, I mean, yeah. Anybody and that's trust going, me, oh, do, you, do you want Butch back? No. Absolutely no. not. And Butch no. had
0: ter- some terrible coaches, too. I mean, the offensive line coach should have been fired way before he was let go, and that would have helped Tennessee. And they had plenty of issues, we know. But just purely what we've seen from Pruitt, I, it's I don't know how you could, after year three, how you could feel comfortable moving forward with this coach
1: absolutely not um at, at this point obviously there's four games left and let's let's just move on into the final the podcast poll that I took uh here let me make sure that I can get the the results right sorry it doesn't pop up correctly on my computer let's see here we go I asked will jeremy Pruitt be Tennessee's head football coach in 2021. On 1,835 votes so far, 61% said yes, 39% said no, and then I said, please tell me why. And so, so many of the responses, and I'm sorry, I would would love to go through all these. I have 160 responses (laughs) to this tweet, (laughs) so I'm not going to be able to read them all. But so, so many, I'll just kind of categorize these together were like, yes, he will be. No,
0: he shouldn't be. That was an overwhelming response. And I think that's the right response because, I mean, obviously I've already said I don't think he should be, but with the pandemic, um, the huge buyout, that the money it would cost Tennessee, and they're trying to save money, they're cutting salaries, it's really not feasible to fire a coach right now. It's just not financially responsible, really.
1: Here's what it would take. You're exactly right. And I agree right now. I don't think it's going to happen. There will be very serious discussions about it if you lose to Vandy um, and go to an eight, But the money is not there. The entire University of Tennessee has absolutely hemorrhaged money this year to the tune of tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. I don't know the exact figure. I'd have to go look. They put out reports about it, but it's tons of money that they've lost. What it would take is a set of boosters who have not been as adversely affected by the pandemic financially stepping up and giving you the cash to do this, which is possible. Tennessee has some extremely wealthy donors who are billionaires and would have the ability to do that. But you are talking all things in with uh, getting rid of the coaching staff and Pruitt with the buyouts. I mean, what what is Pruitt's buyout at the moment?
0: I, I have I no idea, but he just signed an extension, so... Exactly. It's not cheap.
1: I, I mean, I want to say it's it's uh, a hard eight figures.
0: It's uh, nothing million. that anybody would feel good about paying, for sure.
1: Yes. Over $10 bucks, I believe. I would have to look, and we should have... Oh, man, crap, I should have had that ready. But anyway... Um, what I could the, see, oh, go ahead.
0: What I could see happening, you know, you're not going to fire Pruitt even two and eight with Vandy. I, I don't know. Maybe it would force their hand, but I think you will see Fomer get a little bit involved with uh, assistant coaching hires, uh, oh. and 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 Pruitt might not have quite as much autonomy over that as he has had.
1: Don't just don't go there. And that let, never goes well. Never let Phil be the ad and the ad only and maybe don't he won't them together like that
0: because he kind of went through that at Gosh. the end of his time at, at tennessee with with dave Clawson and some of that so maybe maybe he will stay away
1: but here to to round out that thought it would take an influx of cash from donors possible I, to whatever extent i don't know how well all of those guys are doing if they'd be willing to put up tens of millions of dollars for you to do this I mean, I think you're talking, this is a complete estimate, you're talking somewhere in the 25-ish million dollars, millions of dollars to to make this go away, probably. Then you got to hire a new guy. And if if you want people, everybody's been talking about Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze yesterday, coach of Liberty, he beats Virginia Tech. And I've, I've never been the super high and mighty Guy, I think the NCAA rules where you can't pay players are stupid. So his NCAA violations don't matter to me. He called prostitutes, you know, that's his personal life, (laughs) whatever man. I, I, that's for him to deal with. I don't really care about that. You know, if it's something like Baylor where there's alleged cover up of sexual assault, that's a whole separate thing. But like cheating with the NCAA and, and like calling a prostitute in your free time. Whatever. I know people have moral objections to that. You're you're not going to get it out of me when it comes to this specific situation. You know you'd have to pay Hugh Freeze. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like he he has beaten Alabama. He has nearly won the SEC, nearly won the SEC West with Nick Saban at Alabama. Like he's yeah. been at the near the top tier of the sec the top tier of college football and everybody else is going to want to hire him also you only what six million probably oh yeah you have 6, to pay him.
0: the only thing going yeah. in your favor would be uh, nobody in the sec is probably making a change
1: that's true I mean, michigan's unless, making a change you, you're gonna have to compete with michigan
0: and i think he'd want to stay in the sec i mean he's a he's from the south that's kind of that's where he wants to be. You know, he's from that Memphis area, I think, or, or spent a lot of time there. Auburn, I don't know if, if Auburn, they're always on the verge of making a change, but uh, we got a long way to go before we get to coaching search. I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll be able to, but yeah, you're going to have to pay whoever. Otherwise, you're going to end up with another Jeremy Pruitt type hire where you don't know what you're getting. And Tennessee can't go through that.
1: You know, today. it would be like the Tennesseeist thing ever. <laughs> It would be, in two weeks, Tennessee beats Auburn at Auburn. Oh. And that's the thing. Oh, my that God. It, it, it makes two things happen. That's going to happen. Pruitt doesn't get fired at Tennessee. Enough. And then they hire Hugh Freeze. Yep.
0: And then Tennessee loses <laughs> to Vanderbilt, and everybody's pissed. Yeah. And, and, and Hugh, Hugh
1: Freeze like wins a national title at Auburn. <laughs> that is that is what will happen. Go ahead and mark that That's down, my, because, my prediction. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to happen. Oh god. I mean I I would I would love that. Hugh Hugh Freeze will come back into the SEC and he will win big. He's an excellent football coach. He <laughs> he is a shady recruiter. I think there's no you are playing with fire a little bit with the NCAA. And here's here's my thoughts on that. Hugh Freeze with Philip Fulmer at the helm. I think there are two things that will never happen. Uh out of this weird moral high ground With Phil Fulmer and the whole AD, I think there's input from other people in the athletic department that weigh in on this also. Out of some weird moral high ground, they would never hire a guy like Freeze. And also um, fear of the NCAA. And then beyond that, I think you're going to see from Fulmer pity on Pruitt in that he hired Pruitt. And so he's complicit. And then also he sees himself in where he says I was fired too soon. And this, a lot of people to my tweet, my podcast question last night, they had this exact response. So, um, you know, we were all on the same page there for the people that said this, um, that he's going to see himself improve. it be like, I was fired too soon. So I'm not going to just pull this trigger out of nowhere. And you know, that he, he's going to have that sort of feeling, I think. and, yeah, to to me as of right now, even at two and eight, it's hard for me to just say for sure he's done. I don't know. I honestly, it seems almost inevitable that he's back next year.
0: If it's two and eight, I, even three and seven, if, if you beat Vandy, it's still kind of how you felt at the end of twenty sixteen, where it's like we know where this is going, and then Tennessee waited a year too long to make a move then. And we saw how far it set the program back. Do you really want to do that again? Because there's, like I said, early in the podcast, there's nothing from Pruitt that really makes me feel like he's going to just suddenly turn this thing around. I mean, we've used the Dabo Sweeney comparison before where Dabo kind of took a little while to get going at Clemson. This isn't that, I mean, this is so far from that. It, it It's, it's shouldn't even be in the conversation anymore. And I've used that comparison a lot. I won't anymore because it's nowhere close to that. This team's regressing. They're getting worse. There's no improvement and there's, there's no, there's nothing at the end of the tunnel here that, that suggests that this is going to get turned around.
1: Yeah. I don't see any signs of, of this rounding a corner or, or anything. Yeah. I mean, you have a pretty good quarterback coming in next year, but I, in Caden Salter, I, Harrison Bailey was the number three dual threat quarterback, or not dual threat, uh, pro style quarterback in America. <clears throat> and you're not even giving him a real shot. So I just look at the situation. It's sad, and I the saddest part to me. Yeah, it sucks. That the Pruitt stinks. Sure. Um. <laughs> frankly, that's nothing new for Tennessee, and what is also nothing new is that I do not trust the athletic department as far as I can throw them to make the right decision. There are some athletic departments that are committed to winning. Truly. I mean, I look at, and obviously this doesn't always work out, and it didn't always work out, but I look at like a, a jurich at Louisville. That dude did not care. He went out and made the best hire possible even if it got extremely questioned he kept patino around too long because patino's a legend and he wanted to win he kept or he brought back patrino to the football team cuz patrino i mean obviously it didn't work out but patrino was a winner and he said we need a winner back and he made that hire even though people hawked on it like there are some ADs that are like i'm going to make the unpopular decision and because these people are proven winners, and we need a proven winner. Like, they're and Tennessee's athletic department. I don't want them to be morally compromised. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> not at all. I mean, you do have to stand for things. Absolutely. Like, I certainly draw a line. But, like, if there was a question where it was like, you can get Hugh freeze, but the whole the thing at Ole Miss and the, the- like, if that's going to be the attitude of the athletic department, they're losers. They should all be fired. Like they they deserve the axe and then you hire Freeze. You know? Because that's you're not committed to winning. You're not. Like it's either you you can look at it in a professional way and be like, this is Hugh Freeze's job, and that stuff is in his personal life, and we're gonna give him another shot to not cheat and, and get in trouble with the NCAA. Or you can be a loser, which is what Tennessee's athletic department has been. That's really harsh, and it's it's probably exaggerative to some extent. But Tennessee's athletic department, outside of the serendipitous hiring of Rick Barnes and potentially Tony Vitello, he looks pretty good. But outside of that, the history of the last fifteen years in Tennessee's athletic department is total incompetence. Total incompetence. I don't. Know, that that's probably too harsh. But it's just the way that I mean, it's the way that I feel. I have to. <laughs> I have to be realistic.
0: They're reaching a point where if you. If you fire Pruitt and the next hire doesn't work out, Tennessee's about to turn into uh, Nebraska or something where fans are going to lose interest. It's amazing the fan support has stayed where it's been. That it just shows the passion of Tennessee fans. But at some point, people are going to stop paying to go to see a four and eight, five and seven team, and nobody's going to want to come coach there. You're going to rack up so much money in buyouts, you can't afford a Hugh Freeze you're just going to keep hoping that you hire some no name coach that ends up being the next great thing. And that's such a rare thing that I just don't see it happening. You are on the edge of an abyss of sorts. And
1: if the steps taken coming up, if, and when this goes, you know, when things go completely sour with Pruitt and you got to show them the door, well, it's already gone completely sour. (laughs) But, you know, whatever, when he's finally axed, if they do not make it happen in terms of hiring, being able to hire a true proven winner and they they blow up, you know, the hire blows up in their face again. Yeah, I mean, eventually you are just gonna be out in out in the woods. Like, I don't know. I I don't want to be a doomsayer like that. At at the end of the day, Tennessee has crazy resources and an amazing fan base that does not deserve this, that deserves an amazing coach and an amazing program and, and a better athletic department. But at the same time, I mean, I just think you're kind of playing with fire right now and standing on sort of a an abyss of moving into total irrelevance. (laughs) I say that you're totally relevant right now. I, you might already be there. I don't know. I like, there Mm -hmm. has to be some kind of open commitment, total commitment to hiring a winner. Yeah. It's the only way.
0: It's the only way this time, if you go outside of the Southeast, I think Tennessee is irrelevant. I mean, if you go talk to a random person in, in Ohio, and you asked them about well, maybe not Ohio because of the Shiano thing, but you know, you go somewhere outside of this kind of area, you asked about Tennessee football. It's like, yeah, they used to be a powerhouse, and they they don't do much anymore. You know that that's the response you're going to get. There's nothing; they haven't been relevant. They flirted with the top ten under Butch Jones, and quit, just because of the incredible fan support, they kind of got a little attention there. But outside of that, in the last fifteen years, it's it's just been. Just a whole lot of mediocre football.
1: It's a sad state of affairs. Um, I apologize for anything that I said in anger.
0: <laughs> it's only going to get worse from here, probably.
1: It is. I'm so cynical. Tennessee, you did this to me. You made me this cynical. You did. This is your fault. It's all your fault. Ah, God. Why? Why does it have to be this way? Why? At least basketball's right around the seat right around the corner. There you Bring go. Bring on basketball. They just announced the SEC schedule. It looks great. Tennessee's playing a, an early season game against Gonzaga. That's exciting. Why does it have to be this way? Why do I have to just skip football and look forward to basketball? Stop doing this to me. Be committed to winning. Please. Clearly, my begging and pleading did not work no. so far. <laughs> oh, man. No, man. Well, any any parting thoughts? I think that's that's going to be about it.
0: Yeah, I'm just gearing up for another coaching search. I mean, I feel like a veteran at this, and oh, just, yeah. it, hey, it is what it is. Good lord, man!
1: Pull it together, Tennessee! Dang it! So tired of this. So tired of it. But here we are. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening to responding to our polls, to everything. Uh, go over, subscribe, rate review on the i uh, on iTunes and Spotify on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. At Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT, a to Z SportsNashville.com for everything Zach writes that's pretty much it we didn't even (laughs) we usually preview the next week's game okay hold on we should score prediction we'll end with this (laughs) i killed the music clearly texas a&m is the favorite kellen mon's been playing really well um they ran it Up on South Carolina yesterday. What's your score prediction next week at Neyland Stadium? Tennessee, Texas
0: A&M. 41 to 10. Texas A&M, obviously. I'll
1: say... 38-17. But 10 of those points come in garbage time. (laughs) Like, it's 38 three already and yeah so there you go there's there's our preview tex a&m is playing really really well they already beat florida who beat georgia good luck (laughs) (laughs) again i'm charlie that's zach thank you so much for listening we'll talk to y'all next week see you guys later